what is that hymn? Like, come as you are. Yeah. From near and far. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. I just made that up right now. Uh, but it's like, come that, as that, you that are. That works. Yeah. Welcome to the episode. Before we begin, remember that you can ask us a question and we will answer it on the podcast at the end of the episode. You can ask us by emailing us at basicallyrelatedpodcast at gmail.com. Today, we have a rather controversial gospel, but before we begin to that, how was your week? We all saw Oppenheimer mm-hmm. Yeah, we saw week. Oppenheimer last week with um, our brother Joe, our brother-in-law Alex, so it was kind of like a family uh, outing. Family, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, and then Matt's back with us too, yeah, so I'm welcome back. Somewhat healed up. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so we finally saw... Uh, Oppenheimer. And uh yeah, we we've discussed kind of uh our thoughts on the movies on the movie and uh our lack of thoughts. Or la- yeah, yeah, and that's that's yeah. the point really is that there was really nothing to talk about and maybe that's the talking Worth point talking uh, about. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> the talking point about Oppenheimer is that there's not too much to talk about. <laughs> um if you even if you want to get into the politics, you know, mm-hmm. and uh that that's interesting, but in terms of like an artistic piece that had like a bunch of symbolism and mm-hmm. you know a higher meaning and transcendent meaning, I feel like the movie was lacking a little bit in that. I feel like we were discussing this about how Nolan seems like that's kind of his problem, where he like kind of reaches for that transcend transcendental element, but doesn't quite get it. Um, I mean, like obviously, you know, the Batman trilogy was amazing and i feel like he really uh landed that there and actually clavin has made this point too as we were talking about it it was reminding me that he had also made this point he's like i want to love nolan so much Mm -hmm. but yeah he's kind of riding off the coattails of those three movies and everything else doesn't seem like it lands yeah Mm -hmm. well you know that's a good point to be a little bit more critical i feel like he's riding off the coattail of the dark knight yeah yeah yeah. i mean you know bat like the batman begins and the dark knight rises were like good Mm -hmm. but like dark knight I think it was a masterpiece. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I think that's what really solidified him as like. And a like we great were saying director. before, like all the, the the individual elements were amazing. You know, like the cinematography of Oppenheimer. Yeah. yeah. The coloring, yeah. The, the script, the acting was phenomenal. The music, everything was like really good. It just didn't like gestalt, <laughs> like yeah. I would like yeah. to say, into something. I yeah. don't know. I just, I like, yeah, like we were all. Maybe it was that last 50 minutes, <laughs> just being drained of yeah. the politics. Yeah, right. Yeah, um, no, because it, it was technically, you said this you said this before, technically a good movie. Right. And all the parts you mentioned were good. So yeah. I, I, I mm-hmm. would not call it a bad movie by any right. means. And if someone asked me my opinion, uh-huh. I'd say, it would probably go see it. Like there were mm-hmm. masterful parts, but there was an element that was missing that just yeah. Yeah. didn't quite click to be like, oh, no, like I... Like, I might see this again, or I left the theater thinking about this point. Yep. Mm-hmm. Just kind of... Yeah. No, that's a good That's you know. a good way to put it. It was a master class in the technicality of making a film. Like, yeah. you want to see a good performance by Killian Murphy. Like, right, right. You right. know, it's great. But it, like, as like as a whole, as an artistic whole, um, I think it was missing. And this is, as you alluded to, Matt, uh, this is something that's been missing in a lot of Nolan films. And I remember this was the case with uh, Interstellar. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> And even Inception, he's getting into these very, like, conceptual ideas that 
touch on the divine, right? Like, so when you're, you're thinking about time and space and interstellar, right. and there's that one scene, like, they're in a, the spaceship and uh, um, what's the female the actress's name? Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway's yeah. character. He's talking about, like, love. Mm-hmm. Like, that's like, it, it's like he's getting at something transcendent, but then he's yeah. never able to, like, punch through, you know? Yeah. And same thing with, like, Inception. Like, you're talking about dreams and the subconscious. Mm-hmm. But it really, he's, like, not interested in that question of, like, what is the subconscious? Is is there, like, a religious element? Is there right. something symbolic and transcend- transcendental? Mm-hmm. And I think um, Dark Knight actually uh, deals with this really poignantly because the Joker is, like, the symbol of nihilism. Mm. Whereas uh, Batman is the symbol of traditional morals like you know he won't kill and mm. he's trying to be the good guy and that's what makes joker such a brilliant um villain is that he perfectly contrasts um batman's mm-hmm. traditional values but i think even in the dark knight like there's um there's a sense where he's just like well yeah this is a joker and this is batman and batman's going to do what he believes to be good and He's going to be the hero that we don't deserve, that we all, what's the, I don't know, the convoluted line? Uh, that's yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so, but it's not like this, uh, like a, a overwhelming transcendent feeling against nihilism. It's just like, yeah, this yeah. is how the villain acts and we're just like, merciless, like at his mercy almost. Mm-hmm. And Batman is trying his best to, anyway, that's, yeah. But I feel like Nolan has all these uh, great ideas, grandiose ideas, but he, remains in an intellectual state rather than like an artistic state sometimes. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah. That, that's a good distinction. See, in yeah. with, with the Joker, though, I felt like you could feel that nihilism. And like, you yeah. know, it was a, it was a, uh, a good portrayal of kind of the hero, anti-hero. Mm-hmm. But in Oppenheimer, I think, you know, Matt made this point, there was just sort of like a, a nihilistic surface. Yeah. Whereas I actually think the Joker, like, in a sense, penetrated that surface mm-hmm. a little bit, mm-hmm. and you felt it. Whereas this was, it was just kind of, uh, I don't know, like a, a mist over the movie. Yeah. It was like right. kind of mm-hmm. there, mm-hmm. but you, you didn't, didn't really struggle feel with it. it. Yeah, they you, weren't. You know. Yeah, it, there weren't like opposing characters that had to struggle with whether to be nihilistic or not. Because like with the Joker, it's like he presents. It's like, oh yeah, nothing means anything. And so I'm going to do all this stuff. Yeah. And so now you have to reconcile with that. It's like, well, of course that's not true because people are dying. And so now you're like mentally in tension. And then maybe maybe it's just chance, like uh, Two-Face. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like maybe it's just that. And so like you have all these opposing ideas. It's like what do you wrestle with in order to find the right path? Whereas with Oppenheimer, again, like this is like a, a true biography. So it's you can't make up yeah. stories. <clears throat> but the way it was portrayed just kind of gave this sense of like – yeah, maybe he's like wrestling with the fact that he invented the atomic bomb and the consequences of that, but why? And like there was no tension of like the the reason and and the, the counter argument. It just That's a good point. I think and that's all the one counter of the... arguments were like political. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like that's yeah, that's the whole right. thing. The, their conversation was so political of like, yeah, but yeah. it's good for America and whatever. And it's like, and that's it. Like Well, and that's the thing. Like again, like no one is touching on the transcendent, but he doesn't like like rest with it and like provide like some insight into it. Whereas like at the end of the movie, Oppenheimer admits that he had moral qualms mm-hmm. with, uh, you know, the bombs dropped on Japan. And, like, that's it. Like, okay, so he's, like, inside there's a moral tension. Mm-hmm. Interesting. But they don't really, like, spend right. time exploring that. 
And I think that that's one of the the flaws of the movie is that there's no clear goals of like really of the of the main character really like it's not clear like what Oppenheimer really wants, mm-hmm. and so he like he's interested in the science you know he sees it as a new world he's a genius, uh you know he's searching for love, then he's involved in the politics and he's trying to you know get security clearance you know to mm-hmm. uh, it's like. What's his goal? Like, what's his main goal? And maybe that's maybe that's part of the the flaw of the movie. Mm. But anyway, yeah, those are our thoughts. I thought during the the movie, I thought the soundtrack was brilliant, and it provided a really good, um, like I, I mentioned this word, vibe mm-hmm. <laughs> to the movie, where it's just like it seemed like serious and heavy, mm-hmm. uh, and there was some really beautiful scenery. Like, like you know, again, those are maybe more technical. Yeah, uh, yeah, but, we talked about too. It felt like two films. The beginning of it was definitely like a Terrence Malick Tree of Life kind of thing. Which yeah. Going into these sequences of atoms going. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. then, but then, like, it just cut to the politics of it in the second half. It was like, just died for me. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. cool, I thought the whole film might be the beginning of the, of the film was like yeah. these these visions he kept having. Yeah. Um. And, and it, it was like interspliced with like images of a church and cathedral. It's like. Mm-hmm. This is interesting. Like yeah, this yeah. can get interesting, but right. yeah. 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 Well, you know, it's like man's place in the in the universe, yeah. and that man has been handed over the earth, and yeah. mm-hmm. he has the power to create and destroy. And I mean, and the atomic bomb was, you know, it's right. it's, it's the first time anything yeah. like this had happened. So it's like, wow, man now has the power to potentially destroy the entire planet with one bomb. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But th- that it, it's it never just never quite. Yeah. Hit. And like you said, idea. like it, it did end with an interesting take where he's like, we have set the world on fire. Like yeah. they were trying to decide whether mathematically the, their test was going to set the atmosphere on yeah. fire. And at the end, they're like, actually, we did. And it was because of the arms race. Yes. And so there was like this twist of like, like it, it actually set the world. It blew up the world. Um, but it was like too little too late. It was yeah. like literally the last two seconds. Yeah. Of the film. Yeah. yeah. They, you <laughs> know, like, right, it was. I'm bored now. Like metaphorically. Set the world on fire, and because now there there was later the the um, Cold War, the Cold yeah. War, yeah. like nuclear mm-hmm. threats, mm-hmm. and even today, you know, yeah. there's nuclear threats. So that point was interesting, but mm-hmm. it was you know three yeah. hours later. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I was hoping they were going to go with more of that. Like, I mean, the biography is called American Prometheus. Yeah. So I've ho- I was hoping they were going to like yeah. be on themes of like the Icarus flying too close to the sun. Prometheus grabbed the the light, fire, yeah. the fire, all of those themes and the things you wrestle with with that, maybe a little Rene Girard, like cycle and scapegoating mechanism, like none of yeah. that was in there. So I was projecting that onto my view of it. Yeah. So like, oh, that's interesting because of all these things, but it wasn't in the film. And I, and I wonder if that's like Nolan like being intentional because I think like he has some artistic vision, obviously. Like he's, yeah, for sure. He's a brilliant mm-hmm. filmmaker. But I don't know if he's a brilliant artist, you know. Like, and again, mm. that, that distinction. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. Like, I was I was projecting a lot of my own meaning onto some of those things. I was telling Lee, like, you know, during the sex scene, it was, like that's when they used a quote, "I am become death. Mm-hmm. I am the destroyer of worlds." I thought that that was interesting. Like, you know, it was his affair that he was having, right? That led to her death, and so, like, you know, during that intimate scene, you're mm-hmm. watching him say, "I have become death." Yeah. Like, I, like, was that intentional on Nolan's part? Was that right. his inter- artistic right. intuition that was getting at something? Yeah, I don't probably. know. Yeah, um, but it's just so like again, it's so disjointed and like not perfectly transcendent that it's like you couldn't really say like this is exactly what Nolan wanted to mm. say. Yeah. 
So anyway, those yeah, are our thoughts. The, <laughs> the Prometheus thing was interesting. I thought they might do more mm. about that. Again, <clears throat> about this idea that man has now stolen the power to destroy the world. Mm-hmm. You know, an, un- right. an unheard of power mm-hmm. to um, not metaphorically destroy the world, but actually destroy the, yeah. the yeah. atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, you know, like a power reserved for God has now been given over to man. But, you know, that idea wasn't... Um, yeah. And because because you're not clear on what Oppenheimer's goals are actually were, like all those scenes where you're just staring in Killian Murphy's face, <laughs> where it's just like... You in know, IMAX. He, yeah, and like, you know... He, yeah, <laughs> in IMAX. And his eyes are just like piercing, yeah, yeah, and like yeah. the, the music is like... Ah! Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like... Does no one want you to fill in the blank and just be like, oh, he's thinking about this, or right, he's right. thinking about this? Like, I mean, again, like the performance was really good, and it's like it looks like he has the weight of the world on his shoulders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's like, what exactly is he pondering? What was that weight? Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it could be a commentary on how he viewed himself as maybe a tragic character that right. he was picked mm-hmm. up by fate and just carried along. Um, because one sure. one yeah. scientist says to him, you know, no one really knows what you believe, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, right? Like I'm not sure it, you even know what you believe, right, kind yeah. of thing. Because um, that does seem to be a recurring theme <clears throat> with Oppenheimer in the movie. Is you know he's kind of part of a communist party, but he, he's never a card member, yeah. and you know he's he's you know he's kind of with the like arms program, and then he isn't, and so it, and you know his wife talks about being a martyr. You know, being a victim, so maybe that's right. it's trying to get into his head that he felt that this movement, this atomic movement, was so much bigger than he was, yeah. and just picked him up and carried him. Mm. And in these moments where you're you're in his face, he's thinking, like you know, what like where, what am I? Yeah, what am I? What, yeah, what has happened? I? Like yeah. I, I one minute I was on a train, you know, traveling to Zurich, and then the next I'm responsible maybe for bombing Japan. You know, yeah. it's just. Right. Things get out of hand, but I don't know. Yeah. So That's it's it's a, complicated. It's not like an easy No, it's it's not like an easy like don't see the film, it's trash, it's no, or yeah, brilliant no. piece of art. It's yeah. yeah. And you know, as I've been watching more and more movies, growing older and wiser. No. Um <laughs> no. I just I've been realizing that like it's not as cut and dry as like good movie. Yeah. Like bad movie. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. Yeah. there's things that I like about movies and things that I don't and it's you know yeah. just to make those distinctions so right yeah so, I will not Good be stuff. watching the other half of the Barbenheimer um, you know phenomena though. <laughs> um, so yeah, if anybody's expecting yeah. our um, commentary on Barbie keep, keep expecting keep, keep waiting <laughs> 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 so anyway alright uh, lectionary let's go so okay uh, hard pivot uh <laughs> You know, good segue. Not really, but (laughs) into uh, the lectionary readings uh, and our and our thoughts uh, on them. We will be discussing uh, the readings for the twentieth Sunday in Ordinary Time, Year A. And as Lee alluded to earlier, this is a gospel that is, on the face of it, kind of controversial, Mm. uh, a little complicated. Uh, It could be frightening to think about the implications of what our Lord is exactly doing in this mm-hmm. encounter with the Canaanite woman. So I guess, let's see, I can, for uh, context, these readings uh, come from Isaiah. Um, th- that's the first reading. 
And the psalm, uh, the responsorial psalm is, Oh God, let all the nations praise you. Uh, from That's uh, Psalm 67. Mm-hmm. And then the gospel again is that uh, interaction with the Canaanite woman in Matthew 15. Uh, and so the theme here, I think, is pretty apparent. In the book of Isaiah, uh, in this first reading, Isaiah 56, we hear mm-hmm. uh, that the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord, ministering to him, loving the name of the Lord, and becoming his servants, uh, says, I will bring them to my holy mountain. And so the idea is that, I think, the idea here is that all people are called to to approach our Lord. And, mm-hmm. and, and salvation essentially is for the entire world. Uh, again, going back to our psalm, all God, let all the nations praise you. Uh, all the nations, not just one or a select few. Let all the nations praise you. Mm. And the first, the first, uh, within the first couple lines of the gospel... Matthew makes it very clear that there's a tension between the Jew, uh, the Jews and the Canaanites. It's a Canaanite woman who comes to our Lord and says, "Have pity on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon." Demon. Uh, so, anyway, I, that's the the context. I set the stage there. Um, mm-hmm. Do you guys have any initial thoughts? Uh, I want to hear you guys' thoughts first because I have a. a question but I, I want maybe you guys will answer it first sure okay <laughs> um lee do you want to sure yeah so you're right that there is um a very it's it's perhaps like the like archetypal conflict of israel and the canaanites right like these are the first people they encounter mm-hmm. in the promised land um and like canaanites are also like archetypal evil people mm-hmm. right yeah. like they they worship Baal, they worship mm-hmm. demons they sacrifice to idols, sacrifice their children. Like in many ways, there's nothing worse than a Canaanite. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like they're mm-hmm. the most ancient form of, of enemy in the whole in the Holy Land. And their presence is like a kind of continual reminder that Israel failed to do what God asked, mm. which was to rid the land of Canaanites. But they just they couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And they're also a reminder that Israel intermarried with Can- with Canaanites. And that also caused part of their downfall. Yeah, is that they married foreign women, foreign men, and then they worship foreign gods. And so this woman is, you know, from the point of view of uh, Matthew's community, which would have been Jewish, is you know doesn't get much doesn't get much worse. Right, right. Um, totally. Uh, you know, she comes from this foreign this foreign land. But you're right. She says she says a few interesting things. So have pity on me even though it's her daughter that's suffering. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I think a common interpretation is that she's taken her daughter's torment on as her own, mm-hmm. asking God to have pity on her, asking Jesus to have pity on her. Right. But also this Lord, son of David. So despite being, a, you know, for, I guess, practical purposes, a pagan, she knows that, one, that Jesus can help her, and then two, that, He's a descendant of David. Mm-hmm. So there must be something going on in these other lands that's mm-hmm. like the Messiah is here, the Jewish mm-hmm. Messiah, and you know that he comes from uh, from the line of David. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, Yeah, so she's, she's appealing to his Jewish background. Yes. Despite mm-hmm. that she's not Jewish, which is interesting. Yeah. Right. Um, 
and that he's Lord. So, you know, I guess more uh, mystical interpretation yeah. that some church fathers have. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> is that she knew both his his two natures, you know, right? She she knew oh, that he was Lord okay. and Son of David. So Son of David is his human lineage, but Lord yeah. is the God. Is God. Yeah. Um that's I, I didn't know that. That's that's interesting. It's a have pity on me, God and man. <laughs> yeah, right. It's yeah. a it's a mystical interpretation. Mm. Um any 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 commentary so far that you'd like to no, yeah, no. I thought that that was very uh, your uh, the historical context that you gave about the Canaanites was insightful, and I think that that just really highlights what's going on here. Uh, considering that Matthew, again, from where we get our gospel from, he's writing to a Jewish community, and he specifically says, "Now a Canaanite woman is approaching our Lord, recognizing his Jewish lineage, but in the end, our Lord still has pity on her." And again, going back to the themes from our first reading in Psalm, salvation is not just for the Jews, it's for mm-hmm. everyone. Mm-hmm. I think um, the way, I remember Bishop Barron a while ago, uh, he was commenting on this idea of salvation coming from the Jews. And he gave a nice uh, image. He said, the table of salvation was set for the Jews, but everyone is invited to the table. Uh, and so, yeah. it, you know, to not ignore the fact that, yes, the Jewish community is still important in uh, the coming of the Christ. Just because we say now that salvation belongs to everyone doesn't mean that, like, the Jewish people are, like, mm-hmm. unimportant, right? Like, right. Uh, they were instrumental, of course, in in the coming of the Christ. Mm-hmm. But now, now salvation is for everyone. Yeah, mm-hmm. there there is a bit of prophecy in this as well because Matthew's gospel begins with the you know this is the genealogy of Jesus Christ son of David mm. son of mm. Abraham mm-hmm. yeah so the promises to the son of David or David's you know son that would sit on the throne is that all nations he would be his kingdom would be a universal kingdom mm-hmm. so there's a bit of uh, prophecy and apologetics for Matthew saying that look how the foreign nations come to the son of David mm-hmm Mm-hmm. You know, he's Lord, he's King, mm-hmm. he is of the line of David, and, na- and these foreign nations are coming yes, to worship him. Yes, right. Um, I, like, I liked your comment about how this Canaanite woman says, have pity on me, my daughter is tormented by a demon. And so she took her daughter's uh, problem, <laughs> the possession, her, her daughter's um, uh, tribulation and suffering on herself. And it kind of shows a solidarity that she has with her daughter. But if you want to expand that out, I think we can say that our Lord has solidarity now with us, that he's sharing a human nature. He's not sharing a Jewish nature, right? He's sharing a human nature. And so just as the woman is in solidarity with somebody else, our Lord is in solidarity with us. And so, again, that speaks to this human uh, nature, this universal, um, uh, like, expansion of, mm-hmm. of salvation again that we're all connected we're all one there's you know what does paul say there's neither greek nor jew you know um nor gentile uh we're all have a level playing field in the sense of dignity right mm-hmm. <laughs> so so that's that's the historical context um but like with any Passage in scripture, there are many senses. <laughs> and so I think that uh, 
and and this this is something that that proves the the brilliance of scripture is that just like any great work of literature you can read it with different different uh levels right there's mm-hmm. different layers uh and so reading this from that historical perspective important but i really like to approach this gospel from a more spiritual or maybe existential mm-hmm. approach and what got me thinking about that is our, our Lord's reply at the end of the passage where he says, Oh woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And the wo- woman's daughter was healed from that hour. The gospel of the Lord. There you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's pointing to something inside of the woman that allows his power to be made manifest. And I think that we can apply this to ourselves. That when we approach our Lord, you know, maybe we have a certain sin or problem or something habitual that's tormenting our souls that makes us feel like we're outside of the circle of believers, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. We're symbolically outside of the Jewish community. We can approach our Lord still and saying, recognizing that we're foreign to him in our sin and say, Lord, have mercy on me. And... I think we've all, I've had this experience. I can't speak for you, but I'm assuming human nature is universal. When we approach our Lord, it can feel like he's not responding to us in the same vigor that we approached him with, right? Mm -hmm. There's like a sense of like silence, right? Or darkness. It's like, why aren't you answering my prayer? It can can feel like he's saying, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I, I was only maybe... When we're when we're experiencing that darkness and that lack of response, it's like, am I even worthy enough to to come to our Lord? Right? right. Uh, it, it's 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 a dark. It can be a dark situation when you're praying and praying and praying and you feel like He's not answering you. Mm. But given the time, <laughs> given the perseverance and the hope that you have in in in, in, in persevering in your prayer, I think our Lord will eventually reply. Great is your faith. Let it be done. Let it be done for you as you wish. So, that's a more yeah. That like you know you want to talk about a mystical interpretation. Uh, there, there it is. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, I, I think that um, because and and that you know I don't want to say like that just solves the problem of the controversy with mm-hmm. this passage. Mm-hmm. But in a certain sense, I do think it maps on pretty well with our experience of approaching our Lord. Mm-hmm. And that it could feel like he's tall, you know, like, are you treating me like a dog? You know, are you treating me like less than because you're not answering me when I keep coming to you again and again? So, I feel like the um, gospel is trying to speak on something about hierarchy uh, in that when God comes, when Jesus comes down, for the lost sheep of Israel. That doesn't necessarily mean that only the house of Israel will be welcomed into the kingdom, mm-hmm. right? So like hearkening back to the first reading um, or the psalm, let all the nations praise you. Um, and I feel like there's there's something, um, actually kind of back to what we were talking about with Oppenheimer, that like, it's not as clear cut as this is a bad movie, this is a good movie. There's like a, a hierarchy involved and we have to like recognize that pattern and that like fractal layout that some things are higher and some things are lower. Um, 
in order to like understand the fullness of what Christ came to do. So the fact that she's a Canaanite woman, this is this is something Peugeot talks about as well. Um, and the the image of the dog and the dog-headed man in St. Christopher. Mm-hmm. Um, as a, a dog exists on the periphery of the city, right? It's like on the outside, um, and it's the edge. St. Christopher is actually, according to legend, a Canaanite, um, but then he was also Im- uh, depicted as a dog-headed man. Is that right? I didn't know he yeah. was a Canaanite. Interesting. And there's also an interesting parallel between canines and Canaanites. So right. There's like this dogness mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. what's going on here. And so this gospel is laying out like, what of the periphery? You know what I'm saying? When Christ comes down, what of the people that exist outside the sanctuary? Mm-hmm. You know, like God came for the priestly nation. And so he's going to make priests and they go into the sanctuary. But what about the narthex? Yeah. Like what about the people on the outside? What of them? And so this is kind of Christ depicting that I will encompass all. Because of your faith, you are welcomed into the entirety, into the kingdom, but you're still at this fractal, at this like um, gradient level. Like, yeah, you're not part of the mm-hmm. house of Israel, but you're, you will have your place. access. And, yeah, you'll yeah. have your place. Yeah. And so there's something here that's being alluded to with like um, Christ going down into the periphery and even redeeming that hmm. as opposed to it being completely cast out. That's good. Yeah. yeah. I think that's, I think, yeah, I think that's right. I think it makes sense because if you take the Canaanite woman as a like snapshot of conversion, mm. like a very like condensed story of conversion or the spiritual life, she moves, she comes out of that district. So she comes out of Tyre and Sidon, which is a pagan district. So you have to <laughs> separate out from the the unclean land, essentially. So you have to move away from from mm-hmm. sin, if you take it as a again a story of conversion, mm-hmm. and you have to call out to the Lord. But you're sort of at you're, you're right in this hierarchy. You're still kind of at the bottom, mm-hmm. and so like your calling out isn't necessarily going to be answered immediately, right? Because you're, you're you know yeah. you're you're kind of you know you're outside the you're outside the church right now like yep. you know, you're not even in the North X. right right. Um, well, right and and that's interesting that you have this uh, the disciples who are interceding on our Lord's behalf and saying like send her away you can almost see like the the relationship between Christ and the church you know interacting with right. women so right because I I thought I, I heard that interpretation like that the disciples at first it seems like the disciples are saying like send her away because she's annoying us mm-hmm. <clears throat> and i thought it was a charitable interpretation to say that they were interceding for her but it does it does actually make sense because it says send her away for she keeps calling out after us and jesus says in reply to that i was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of israel mm. he's talking to so, the disciples actually yes yeah so another way you could say is lord like send her away or, or Lord grant her petition because yeah, yeah. she, she's calling out after mm-hmm. us. And the response is, I was sent to the lost sheep right. of Israel. Like mm-hmm. that makes sense. Right. If because, you were to rephrase it. No, that's exactly right. Because right after he says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then the woman comes to do Jesus homage saying, Lord, help me. Mm-hmm. And so she, he was not even talking. He, she, he was not in the woman's presence until after she came and did him homage. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. And so then again, a, yeah, like, you know, I don't, I think that, you know, her saying like, 
Even the dogs eat the scraps that fall from the table of their masters. It seems like Jesus is not like affirming, like, that's right. You know your place. And because you know yeah. your place, you know, it's it's not like this negative, like, that's right. You stay down there. And yeah. so maybe I'll help you out anyway. But it's this understanding. That's why I say great is your faith. It's mm-hmm. like this non, uh, beyond reason, understanding that somehow trickle down economics works. You know, I'm saying like, if I'm going to use a, an economic term, but it's like the way that grace flows is when Christ has his mission to save the house of Israel. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that's, that's the whole point. And then everything flows from that. So he's setting up like the chain of being essentially, like the chain of how things work. And she's recognizing that. It's like, I know that I'm down here, but because you're going to the lost sheep of Israel, I will get the benefits from that. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. And he's like, yeah, that's right. That's faith. So right. you're good to go. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, that's what I was saying like before is is she is down there. She's on her way, mm-hmm. but she's not in at she's not in the in the middle part of the hierarchy yet. Yeah. She's kind of at right. the bottom. Right. But at the end of the story, mm-hmm. she she's in. Um it it's also interesting that in maybe it's interesting. In in the Greek, <laughs> uh, Jesus calls her a puppy. He, use, mm. he uses the diminutive form Is of right? dog. Okay. So he says, you know, it's not right to throw the food to the puppies, mm. essentially. But she responds almost like to re- to amp amp it up or mm-hmm. is like, no, it's not right to give or like even dogs, not puppies, mm-hmm. not like something cute, but like rabbit, like, rabbit animal, but like it, like yeah, uh, a dirty dog. Mm-hmm. Right. So mm-hmm. that kind of reinforces your, you know, yeah. kind of doubling down of, mm. um, I, I am. I, I know am my that. place. I know I recognize, my place, but, yeah. but please mm-hmm. still answer, you know, yeah. hear my prayer. Totally. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it's, I mean, yeah, it's it's tricky to walk this line, obviously, because you we're talking about, like, this gospel passage at, in light of, like, different ethnicities and stuff, which is, like, obviously right. you're not drawing that parallel to, like, one race is superior to the other. Like, that's not the mm-hmm. same thing as understanding this hierarchy and it's kind of, you can see it in the light, in a similar light, um, not as a commentary on ethnicity, but like the way that the way that um, hierarchy lays itself out with a man and a woman. You know what I'm saying? It's like a man should have authority in the house. That doesn't mean a woman is less than, but the focus has to be on the man who then will turn to the woman and pour himself out to her. Mm-hmm. And that's how it that's how it lays itself out. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you a- avert attention other than that then the house falls apart. Right. So like if Christ's mission is not for the lost sheep of Israel, then like the whole structure of the plan just breaks apart. So yeah, I don't know. Well, I guess you could say that he may, he may not be actively searching for Gentiles. I guess you could say mm-hmm. like, I, I'm, I'm here for the house of Israel. That doesn't necessarily preclude him from receiving Gentile, you know, like of of, yes. of incorporating them, right? Mm-hmm. Not, you know, maybe he's it's it, it's it is a little difficult because he's like, I'm here for the house of Israel, but it's like, but you came into pagan territory, yeah. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, like yeah, you, right. you like, so you know, he kind of sets up that I I will receive this woman, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm I'm you know my my project right now. Is is the Gentiles right? It's not not in conflict there, right? But I I know this 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 got um this got ra- rather controversial in seminary sometimes. You know about did 
did Jesus change his mind mm. about the Canaanite woman? Mm-hmm. You know, did like he had the plan? You know, he's like, I'm here for Israel, but he seems to have grant, granted this woman's prayer. Like, does he is is Jesus unsure about well, yeah, his? Yeah. It's like, you know what, Gentiles do. <laughs> yeah, yes, right. I'll save you all. Well, I think I mean we can say that our Lord knew her heart, right? right? And so. In a sense, he knew that her faith was great, even before he had this interaction with her. Mm. And so I feel like him laying out this this whole House of Israel thing and the, the dogs eating the scraps that fall from the table of their masters and all this stuff, I feel like he's drawing her faith out, right, of her. And you know, I don't want to say like, oh, he's testing her to make her grow. But there is a sense in which God allows, again, this is going back to my spiritual, you know, existential interpretation, but, you know, God allows certain things to happen to chisel our character and to become, and to grow in our faith and our love of him. You know, perhaps if, you know, our Lord just answered her prayer on the spot, she would not have conversed with him as much. She would not have... uh, realize her own greatness of faith and her own mm. persistence. There's a there's a sense in, in in which like this is you have to like you know you think about the whole the holistic approach. Mm-hmm. Um and it doesn't solve it entirely. And and yeah. I think that this is why this 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 gospel passage still remains somewhat mysterious. Mm-hmm. But I think that it's pointing to these these other points in in which I don't know it works. Yeah. I, I think. Yeah, I like it. I think if if you take it again as a like uh, a symbolic snapshot of, of conversion, you know something very condensed, um, it it makes it make it, it makes your interpretation make sense, Father, because mm-hmm. it's um, this it, it you know it's it's this idea that um, un- unless God wills it, you don't. You don't just kind of like convert and call, or you don't just kind of like call out to God and He answers you right away. Mm-hmm. Like there's this yeah. kind of persistence that God asks for, and that He listens to His friends. Mm-hmm. But archetypally, this woman is not His friend. Mm-hmm. She's not a friend of the house of Israel. But by her persistence in saying, "Yes, I am. I am a dog," you know, have pity on me. She demonstrates that. She has the humility and the faith to become a friend. Yeah, and then exactly. and then God and then God says, you know, I, I hear you. Yep. Um, yep. That's. You know, and that, that's the that's the natural, from my experience, that's the natural uh, progression of the prayer uh, of one's prayer life. Is that at first it's difficult. It's for it, at first it's awkward to talk to someone you don't really know, but as you stick with it, it becomes habitualized and it becomes easier. But then you know you you get into uh, deeper forms of the spiritual life, as you know, Lee. <laughs> uh, not not you know, personally. No, but <laughs> being a karma, I, I think them. You, yes. But like you know, what do you make of the dark night of the soul? Right. Uh, you know, I think in some ways, you know, you can imagine like you know a saint like someone like John of the Cross who has enjoyed the consolations of God, you know, for maybe a number of years. I'm not sure how long, but. At some point, it feels like God just withdraws from you totally. It's like, what is going on, <laughs> right? And like, and, and every moment in prayer is something that's like almost painful. Mm-hmm. 
that's that's another level. I don't know. Uh, we can get into that if you want, <laughs> but that's um. Yeah, it's 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 the the ways of God is are, are mysterious. Mm. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> so, well, yeah, no, I, that that is true. The ways the ways of God are mysterious <laughs> because, um, you know, because depending upon how um, how uh, philosophical I guess you want to get with this text, mm. um, Christ as God knew that she would she would come yes mm-hmm. yeah you know like mm-hmm. it, now he did that doesn't necessarily mean he willed it but he mm-hmm. had he had the foreknowledge and yeah. you know mm-hmm. then it's like well why didn't he just grant it right away and then mm-hmm. there's this interplay of free will to let yeah, her yeah. express yes. her sure. desires so that he may grant them mm-hmm. right you know he kind of knew that she would come and well Augustine, that, Augustine like, would um agree with that that like when we approach God in prayer it's not us changing his mind but our, our ourselves changing in his presence. Right. right? Um, and and I think yeah. this happens, again, on like a, a quick scale of like she um, recognizes him as Lord, but then even goes further to, to base herself mm-hmm. and, and say that I'm, I'm a dog. Yeah. Mm. Um, but right. Christ kind of yeah. has to give her this, the, the time and space mm-hmm. to do that mm-hmm. instead of just, you know, heal my daughter, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's it's you know for her own benefit. Yeah, 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 totally. For her own, yeah, her own growth. Yeah, it, it's it's yeah, taking it from that perspective is it's a rather short passage, but we see her like dynamic in Christ changing, right? And it's it's pretty brilliant. It's it's a good piece of literature <laughs> here, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, yeah. It, there's a lot here. Uh, again, you can look at it from that historical perspective. Uh, I like um, yeah. Matt's uh, hierarchy of values and or, or mm-hmm. hierarchy uh, imagery, uh, and then of course in that spiritual existential level, mm. a woman great is your faith. Nice. Did I mention that that that's what our Lord says? And great is your faith. Oh yeah, and like that's very characteristic for him. Like uh, where he'll, uh, I'm reminded of the passage where he hears heals the blind man at the city gates. And he calls out saying, Lord, son of David, have pity on me. Mm-hmm. And he says, take courage, your faith has saved you. Mm. Pointing to the person's faith that is a vehicle for his salvation. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like the response that's necessary, right? God just doesn't heal on a whim. That's not personal. It has to come from within us, and like a a, a reception, a reception and a response mm-hmm. to to yeah. allow God's grace to work within us. Mm. So, yeah, it, it's it it is um, peculiar, I guess, that um, she says or he says to her, uh, "Great is your faith," but it seems like what she's doing is more of like an act of humility. Right, what she's doing. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because she admits that she's like a dog. Right. Yeah, she humbles her, herself. Yeah. So she. There. So it seems like there's this connection between humility and faith, mm-hmm. that she humbles herself, but then mm-hmm. also calls him calls him Lord three times. Mm-hmm. Right. Hey, yeah. Son yeah. of David, Lord, help me. Right. That is Lord, actually please, that is Lord. interesting because she's yeah right that's 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 a good insight she's humbling herself. 
but her faith is still magnanimous, right? And, right. and so, in a sense, her faith is upright, mm-hmm. and she's confident in her petition. It's not the sense of false humility where she's like, you're right, I'm just a dog, and she runs away, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that persistence in saying, like, this is what I need, and I'm confident in that, and so I'm going to have faith uh, in you who can heal me. Mm-hmm. So, upright in her soul, her actions scream humble. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, in, uh, if you connect it to the first reading, it says that, you know, foreigners will join themselves to the Lord, loving his name and becoming his servants. So there is this mm-hmm. um, perhaps motif of, of humility, becoming a servant of the Lord, becoming yep. a dog mm-hmm. of the Lord. Um, yep. And that they will they will come to my holy mountain and yep. make my 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 house or make uh, my house of prayer joyful. Yep. Um, you can also perhaps make it take a mystical interpretation and say that she's coming to the holy mountain, which is Christ. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like, going I back feel like, to the, the would Peugeot uh, agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. He would, right? Is Christ sure. is the holy mountain? Mm-hmm. Well, um, right, and, and like that hierarchy of like the mountain mm-hmm. top, right? Um, yeah. yeah, and then totally. make my house of prayer. Jesus is that is the new temple. Yep. So she's mm-hmm. coming. She's coming to him. Um, and then yep. yeah, and and then Isaiah says it explicitly. Their burnt their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be acceptable on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. All are welcome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not to get into it. Mm. You know, all are welcome in his holy well, place and start clapping. But that all like, are yeah. welcome thing is like a very interesting phenomenon in trying to understand what this passage is getting at because it all are welcome does not mean and the the idea of like come as you are is mm-hmm. not like bring the paganness inside. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's like Right, yeah, yeah. It's like all are welcome to make sacrifice to this God. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yes. so it's like, th- there's a, there's a way that the, uh, the periphery mm. is integrated, but it's not to, um, corrupt what the center is for. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that's how that holds itself together. That's yeah. Like, that's yeah all, point. all are in fact welcome and Christianity is in fact radically inclusive. Right. Yeah. But here's the rules. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's yeah. like all are welcome. All are welcome to repent and believe. Yeah, like that's, yeah, that's, exactly. that's like, a caveat. It's yep. like totally. there is a requirement mm-hmm. here. Yep. yep. And it's you are you know, it doesn't matter your ethnicity ethnicity or, yep. or yep. wherever yep. you're from, but you must love the name of this Lord. Right. right. It's like not, I'm not like, I'm not holy. I'm like this this is not for me. I'm like not a holy person. I don't pray that often. You're essentially saying like I'm a dog. Like, yeah, yeah. but even the dogs eat the scraps. So like yeah. come as you are because you're in a range of everybody here, and yeah. we're all going to make it to yeah. the top. But that that's that becomes so convoluted if you're not explaining it well. Because you, what is that him like? Come as you are, yeah, from near and far. No, I'm just <laughs> I don't know. I just made that up right now. Uh, but it's like come that, as that, you that are. That works. Though. It does. Right? It seems like I, I <laughs> could believe it. I Maybe believe it is. It. I don't know. No. I'm just it's something in my mm-hmm. the dark subconscious. subconscious. <laughs> yeah. Yes, very dark. <laughs> very dark. <laughs> no, but I feel like if you don't explain that. The uh, misinterpretation is that, like, we don't need to change. Yeah. Right? There's no... Right. Even on a um, a <coughs> materialist level or a pragmatic level, I don't know what you want to say, um, countries are like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, all are welcome to the United States. Got to follow our rules. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You got to, like, adopt the, the U.S. Constitution as what you want to uphold as a citizen. You can't just bring in your... Um, 
your country's version of what you think how humanity should thrive, you're welcome to come, but here are the rules. Otherwise, you lose the definition of a country. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. yeah, and to say that so there's... it's not xenophobic. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. oh wait, wait, you're telling you got to conform to the the way that the United States is run. It's like, yeah, that's the definition of anything. Like that's yeah. the definition yeah. of anything that exists. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's to 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 seek salvation and to desire salvation implies that you're being judged on what you need to give up. Like if you say, save me, have pity on me, then that means that there's something wrong with you mm. that needs to be cast off. And I, I think Peterson made this point that Christ as the image of the savior and the judge is one and the same. You mm-hmm. can't have a savior if there's no judgment mm-hmm. because then what are you saving yourself from? Right. right. Like what, what needs to be cast off exactly? Right. So, that sense of judgment and a sense of um, casting things off that don't belong to your person. That's, that's part and parcel, not just part and parcel. That's part, that's the whole point <laughs> of seeking salvation uh, is that you recognize that you are not what you can be and you're striving to become that person. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyway, that, yeah, nice. we strayed yeah. a little bit away from the point, but yeah, I think it's all basically related. Nice. Uh, are we going to uh, say this every episode <laughs> now? <laughs> We need a little like that drum saying, do yeah, 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 or the staple button. Like that was easy. No, that doesn't make any sense. No, I don't it doesn't. Know. It's a... Yeah, <laughs> all right. It's not related. Yeah, maybe a horn. Oh yeah. You know. <laughs> That's not what I was thinking, but okay. we can. You know. We'll figure it out. That's a trumpet. All right. Yeah. Any other thoughts? All no. who keep this, all who keep the Sabbath free from being profaned. You know, it's like, that's that's if you if you want to come, you have to do that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No flip flops. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's right. Um, yeah. No, the, the second reading kind of tackles this a little bit. I know we didn't I, really I, talk about. It, but, yeah. Um, but it kind of gets into the same thing. Mm. Um, I'm speaking to you, Gentiles, in as much as I am up the apostle to the Gentiles, and so that that distinction between Gentile and Jew, uh, mm-hmm. I think, is. It's in there. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Paul, yeah, becomes the the apostle to the Gentiles, and mm-hmm. he's the one who starts to uh, really argue against the barrier between Jew and Gentile, and mm-hmm. and uh, showing that the covenant was a covenant for all people, and <clears throat> and all that the universal. The, I don't want to say universal salvation, but. Salvation Universal is awful. message. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, everybody can be saved, but mm-hmm. not that they will be saved. Yeah. Mm. Nice. There you go. Yeah. So, yeah. the Anything end. Else? That's a good there. spot to end, I think. All right. Uh, thank you for listening. And remember, you can email us and ask us a question that we'll ans- answer at basically related podcast at gmail.com. And we'll answer them in the episode. Yes. Yeah. Very good. Bye.